there was some very sad news in the soccer and sports world. A couple days ago, the legend Diego Maradona passed away. And as big soccer fans, we just want to start this off by giving our condolences to his family, and he will he will be missed. Yeah, he's he's a national hero in Argentina. He honestly helped soccer become popular in the U.S. Even though he wasn't here playing, that's how big he was across the whole world. That he started to catch attention here, and and it's changed how often uh, foreign soccer games were televised here in the U.S. So. What an unbelievably talented player. What a glorious player to watch. And, you know, he, he definitely put a smile on a lot of people's faces. So it's a sad, sad day in the soccer world. All right. Um, now, back to our normal podcast. Where we're going to talk about basketball, but we had to get that somber note off first. Welcome back to and Lee Podcast. I'm here, Liam's here. We got a good one for you today. We're going to focus on the NBA before we talk about sports. Liam, how, how's life down in the PA? It's good, man. We've been really busy, but you know what? It's uh, time to give thanks this week. So, you know, taking taking some relaxation time. How are you doing, Timor? I'm good. Uh, apartment's going well. We're, we're moved in. I got a beanbag chair, which is very important acquisition for the living room. Wow, that might be the most important acquisition of free agency. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the beanbag adds so much flavor to the room. So let's start with an NFL question that's not serious but relates to your life. How how insufferable are the Pittsburgh Steelers fans right now down there? Still well, one to terrible towel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the issue. Since there's a pandemic, I don't see anyone but my roommate. And I guess so two of my roommates are Steelers fans. But they're pretty polite, honestly, compared to some other ones. So I'm definitely not getting the full effect that I would if I lived in Pittsburgh when they had their best start in franchise history and there wasn't a pandemic. But there's definitely, from what I can see on social media and what I see around the city kind of from afar, there's definitely a lot of lot of confidence. But I do think it's, it's not the confidence that, you know, you might see from, for example, the 2007 Patriots because they just don't look as good as those 2007 Patriots, even though they both started 10-0. So I think there's like cautious optimism because it's, it's a team that's just kind of gutted out some wins to get 10 now. Yeah, fair enough. Started off with a divisive question. NBA time. There's been a lot that's gone on. Uh, obviously, there's been the draft. There's been trades. There's been free agency. I'm going to start with being biased. And let's start with talking about our teams. Two teams that are in different sort of stages of their life cycle here. Let's start with your team, the Cavs. The Cavs are not a contender for the playoffs, I hate to tell you, Liam, but... No, you're being very polite. I appreciate that. <laughs> they are. They're, they're looking for the future. They're looking to build and get some young talent. So you drafted Isaac Okoro in the draft. So what are you looking forward to with him and the Cavs moving forward? Yeah, so I think it was I think it was a good pick. I think it fits a need for sure. So first of all, the Cavs were the worst defensive team in the NBA last year, and it really wasn't even close. So they add what is supposed to be the best defender in the draft. Okoro can, as of from what we've seen in college, he can guard one through five, which is really big for the Cavs because they don't have anyone that can guard any one of those positions, let alone multiple, let alone all five. So 
That's a big upgrade. I think it's a really high floor pick, too. He's not a zero on offense right now, but he has a lot of work to do. The good thing is he's got some length and some strength, and he's so athletic. He's actually already a pretty good finisher at the rim. It's really just adding some touch, adding a jump shot, adding a little bit of creativity and and craft to his offense. But he's going to be a good defender, and he's going to be an athlete. He's going to compete. Everything as far as his personality is, from what I've read, it looks positive. So I do think he has a really high floor. It's just, you know, is he just kind of a starting small forward in the league? Is he, like, you know, potential all-star level? I don't think he's going to be anywhere near an all-star level player initially. It's really, can he add the offense to do that? So I think it's a high floor pick, and I'm very, very happy with it, to be honest. But, you know, I'm mindful that it's going to be a really rough season for the Cavs again. Definitely some interesting pieces, but uh, you're definitely looking to the future. And I guess silver lining is I've heard that the next draft, 2021, is supposed to be a banger. So yeah. maybe it won't that bad to not be good this year. Yeah. No, it's true. So the 2021 draft is supposed to be unbelievable. And then the 2022 draft is a double draft. So it's when high schoolers can resume going straight from high school to NBA. So you'll essentially have two, like the, the, the ceiling of two drafts in one. So the next two drafts are going to be two of the best. So, yeah. Well, what do you think that. of your Celtics draft? <laughs> yeah. I like the pick in Naismith, or Nismith. I don't follow college basketball too much, but from the broadcast, it seemed like he was a very good shooter, but not good at, in front of what I've read, not very good at defense. And I guess the biggest scare is that he had a, a stress fracture in, in college uh, with his foot. So hopefully he'll be healthy. And in the in this in the NBA, having shooting is so incredibly important. So if the Celtics could definitely use him, I'm just, I'm happy that this offseason we extended Jason Tatum. That was uh, a no-brainer, and we got in Tristan Thompson. Who I think it's going to be a, a good add for the Celtics because having Tice as our only serviceable five was a bit rough in the playoffs. I'm not too sure where our ceiling is. I feel like we're a good team, but I, I just feel I still feel like there are other teams in the East that are better than us unless Tatum can continue to excel and um, get better. Yeah, no, I I think that the uh, Tristan Thompson signing is going to be big for the Celtics. As a Cavs fan, I've seen him play for the last nine seasons, and he is very active. He's actually averaged a double-double each of the last two seasons, which he hadn't done before. Like, literally, he's had career years the last two years. So there's a little little bit of this kind of idea that he's becoming, you know, into the later stage of his career, which he, he is on paper, but he's literally had his best two seasons ever the last two years. So there's no reason to think he can't continue to improve. He'll be very active on the glass. I don't know if he'll win the starting job from day one, especially with such a short training camp and with Tice already being such a kind of lock. But I do think I'd be shocked if he's not the starter, you know, come late late part of the season. He's so active on the glass. He's such a good rebounder. He can switch on to any position. We've had a bunch of different trades. Let's start with the biggest one that we've had. And it happened earlier on, so it's kind of – I kind of forgot about it. But the Suns are getting Chris Paul. OKC traded Abdel Nadir and Chris Paul to the Suns for Ty Jerome, Jalen McHugh, Ricky Rubio, and the 2021 draft pick, as well as Kelly Oubre, who was then traded to the Warriors. So big trade for the Suns getting Chris Paul. How do you think this impacts them? And the Western Conference, as we know, is very deep. So where do you think the ceiling is for this team? Yeah, this is awesome. I 
think when the Suns are good, the NBA is more fun. Not that they're the only franchise like that, but um, I can appreciate the Suns being good. Uh, the 8-0 run in the bubble, lots of momentum coming in. I expect them to get off to a really hot start. I'm just curious, you know, what they're stealing. And Ubre is a big void to fill. He was really, really good for them. So, you know, can Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, a couple of really young players, can they fill that void? Does it is it going to be Booker kind of sliding into a more of a, a scoring guard role? I mean, obviously he's a scoring guard, but he's going to be playing off the ball a lot more than he was. And then can CP3 stay healthy? Those are the three questions. Well, sorry, question number three is DeAndre Ayton. Uh, so how do they fill the Ubre void? Can CP3 stay healthy? And then DeAndre Ayton, is he going to continue to take those strides? Is he going to continue to work and, you know, get better? Because they need him to be elite to contend. There's no question about that. If he's not elite, they don't really have a chance. So I think they have the tools. I think their window, it's a weird time because I think Aiton and, and Booker are, you know, probably still about two or three years away, maybe even four years away from their uh, real prime. But yet this is really probably the last year or two of CP3's prime. So it's a weird time where I don't know if those primes are going to completely match up. I think they'll be competitive. CP3 was legit all NBA last year. So I'm just so curious to see how they will be. What do you think? What are you expecting for them? Yeah, I just wonder what they're going to do with uh, how he's going to match with the team. I mean, as you said, I mean, Devin Booker, such a prolific scorer and just so used to having the ball in his hands. We haven't really seen him off the ball. So will he accept that with uh, CP3 being a traditional point guard? Or could there be some chemistry issues there? I'm not saying there will be, but definitely uh, interest, uh, interesting subplot. And I, I just I wonder if they'll be able to pick up where they left off in Miami. Uh, that that eight no run was incredible. It was so much fun to see them keep winning. But I think that was great momentum. I, I'm not sure if they'll be able to pick up where they left off. Uh, I mean, you can't say no to carrying Chris Paul. It's just uh, his health and his age that are the biggest problems uh, with that that big contract he has. But I think the Suns will be good, and I, I expect them to be in the playoffs race. Yeah, and I think that's a big deal for them, too. Kind of like the Browns in the NFL, they just want to freaking make the playoffs. Maybe the Browns and the Atlanta Hawks are a better comparison, but those are teams that they just they need for their franchise's sake to be relevant. So, hope they are. It's been a, too long. Next big trade, we have the Milwaukee Bucks getting Drew Holiday and compromising their future a bit here. So, they traded for Drew Holiday and the number 60th pick in this draft, Sam Merrill. New Orleans got Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, a 25 and 27 first round pick, as well as 2024-2026 swaps with the Bucks. And OKC gets George Hill, Josh Gray, Kenrich Williams, some other stuff. I won't go through all of it. Nothing too huge. <laughs> and then another weird thing was that the Bucks were gonna get Boyan Bogdanovich. And then suddenly they weren't, and now we know he's going to Atlanta. Weird situation there. So Bucks kind of mortgaged their future, especially with the 2026 club that's so far in the future. You have to, I mean, if they have Giannis, you'll assume that they'll be good. But if he decides to leave, which you can't count out in this league anymore, then they could be bad again and they'll want that pick back. Um, so do you see Holiday helping the Bucks push them further? You know, the past two years have been really disappointing for the Bucks not be able to make it far with 
Giannis being able to win MVP twice in a row, but not even able to make it to the conference finals. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that Drew Holiday definitely upgraded their roster. I do think that Bogdanovich would have made them like the legit odds-on favorite. He would have been such a perfect fit. He's exactly what they need. But unfortunately, we can't really focus on that because they didn't get him. So looking at their actual roster, definitely it got better. When we think about kind of what stopped them in the playoffs, their offense kind of just hit a wall, literally, because teams would just build a wall in front of Giannis and not let him get to the rim. So they need kind of they need more fluidity. They need more activity, especially in crunch time. And Drew Holiday is going to help a lot. He's going to wear teams down on both ends. Uh, he's better at getting into the lane with the ball than Bledsoe was. He's just naturally bigger. He's definitely an upgrade. And then, of course, they added well, – also, he defensively changes them as far as he's such a good on-ball defender, and he's going to really help them in the playoffs as far as guarding, you know, the other East point guards with Dragic, Kemba Walker, the backcourt in Toronto, uh, and then actually Kyrie now. So he's going to help a lot in that sense. They got some other pieces like Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes who will probably just end up being shooters, but at the end of the day, they need shooting to help create space for Giannis. So I do think they got better. I'm just not sure how much better they got, and are they going to be able to change their offense enough to not be so stagnant in the playoffs? One other thing I noted is that second-round pick Jordan Nora that they got out of Louisville. First of all, that, that, that dude played prep school ball in New England, so it's a cool story. Second of all, Jay Billis had him as one of the most pure shooters in the draft, but I actually think he's a lot more than a shooter. He was the first team All-American last year. I think it was a steal that they got in the second round. So can that dude be a player for them right away as well? Yeah, I don't know. I think they got better. I just don't know how much better they got, and I want to see if their offense will take that next step in the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the biggest question mark is your boy Giannis. He worked all break on his three-point shot so that they can't just build a wall, that they have to respect his shooting board. And that would be a huge thing for the Bucks. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you're going to – Holiday's a good player, great defensive player. Um, so I think the Bucks will be great on defense. And maybe that's the key. They just rely on their defense to push them through the playoffs. But I still think they are the, the odds-on favorite to be the one seed again. We'll see how the other teams go. And we're going to talk about Brooklyn later, but that's probably the biggest question mark looking at the East. How, how good will Brooklyn be, but uh, definitely a good move. Can't argue against it. It's just the only thing I could say is if Giannis decides to leave, they're going to want some of those picks back. Yeah, they'll be the Jets of the NBA if Giannis leaves. Oh, no. Don't put that curse on them. Take it back. (laughs) (laughs) The next big movement is that the Mavericks traded Seth Curry to the Sixers, and the Sixers were able to trade Al Horford to OKC for Danny Green, and so we're immediately feeling impact of Daryl Morey in the Sixers being able to trade Horford and his massive contract that the media wouldn't stop talking about how untradeable it was, (laughs) and guess what? He's not on the team anymore, so good job, media. So <laughs> the 76ers get some shooting help, much-needed shooting help with Ben Simmons and Embiid. We're going to get to this next point uh, next, but Harden wants out, and do you think the 76ers will try and make a move for him, or do you think that this is uh, most of the roster we're going to see? Yeah, so 
I know this summer or whenever it was that Maury was hired, I was like, he's going to trade Simmons or Embiid immediately. I was completely wrong about that, and I'm probably going to be wrong. There's probably some pressure from the higher-ups to try to make it work with both, but I just see Maury wanting to trade one of them. I I feel like with his background, he's going to at least have some thoughts that they could – it's not they're, they're not the best fit together. So I wonder if, you know, he tries to flip one of them for Harden somehow. I mean, Joel, Embiid, and Harden, that'd be pretty intriguing, honestly. They might not be very good defensively, but that'd be pretty intriguing offensively. But then again, the other reason to keep both is because if you kind of look at their frames and in Simmons' defensive strides last year, there's no reason they can't be the best defensive team in the NBA. So maybe that's the angle they take and keep them together and, and focus on just being a lockdown defensive team with a lot of length and athleticism. So I'm just curious to see what Maury continues to do. I think you're right. I'm so It's so cool to see him in Philly making some already great trades. I think the only thing I'll push back on is, uh, you know, I know that the idea of Embiid and Simmons being on the same team together is not uh, doesn't seem like the best basketball fit, but I don't know. I mean, like there's there's no harm in uh, them trying it, seeing how it goes. They're both great young players, so if if you want to heal them, you could definitely do it during the season. I don't think they'll be in a rush to do that. I'm not even sure they should. But we'll have to see. No, that's fair. That's definitely fair. I can see them rolling up both. What did you think of John Wall and, and uh, Russell Westbrook trade? Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people in the media were were claiming that they knew it was coming. And you know what? Maybe they did. But I, I honestly didn't. I was not in the loop that they were in. So I was surprised. does make a lot of sense. I, I saw a lot of funny tweets. I mean, I, I don't really know who gets better with this trade. One funny comparison I heard is it's like when two fantasy man- managers in, like, fantasy football are bored with their players and they're like, you know what, why don't we just switch for the heck of it because we're bored. I, I mean, honestly, if we had to go winners and losers, I think they both got slightly more of what they were looking for. One, it seemed that Westbrook was not quite fitting, right? with that Rockets team, and it's hard to know what's going to happen with Harden. There's a lot of people that think he's going to be traded imminently. A lot of other people think that they're going to try to just give it a go with him. I don't I don't really know. That's why it's hard to really grade this trade. For the Wizards, it makes sense because they just desperately want to try to make the playoffs and keep Bradley Beal around. So that's why it makes sense for them. I'm really curious to see what happens with Harden because I think that will add another wrinkle to evaluate this trade. 100%. Do you think the Rockets' game plan is to just lure – Calipari there, and then all the Kentucky guys will go to Houston. And uh, Calipari would join as an assistant coach behind uh, their new head coach. I mean, it it could be a strategy. Because they got Boogie and John Wall now. Yeah, you know, he he might get the most out of Boogie because we haven't seen someone do that, really. And that guy could be special, especially if he stays healthy. Yeah, he's recently hasn't been able to stay healthy, unfortunately. All right, Liam. So we talked about teams that have made big trades. Obviously, the Harden rumors are floating around, but nothing's actually happened. So we're going to skip over that and not speculate. Let's talk about a couple of teams of interest here. We have the Brooklyn Nets. They hire Steve Nash in his first coaching gig. They have Katie and Kyrie Irving. How do you anticipate the next doing the Nets doing this next year and what are your expectations for this team? Yeah, I think this is one of the biggest questions of it might be the biggest question mark of this season is what does this Nets team look like? 
is Steve Nash going to be able to keep those guys under control? And, you know, the locker room, is it going to be, you know, in a good spot? Which honestly probably depends on their on their success, which kind of sounds weird. But, you know, it's going to be uh, extremely good or extremely bad, depending on how successful they are on the court. Uh, and then, of course, they got to be able to stay healthy. It's guys coming off of numerous significant injuries in KD and Kyrie. So uh, it's, it's a huge question mark. Optimally, you know, if they're both healthy, there's they're probably, what, two of the ten hardest guys to guard in the NBA when they're both healthy. I know Kyrie's been a little bit up and down, but when he's healthy, he is borderline unguardable when he's going. So when you have two of those, probably, you know, top unguardable guys on the same team, it's going to keep you in the, it's going to keep you relevant, if you will. So I'm just curious, you know, are they able to stay healthy and and share the ball with each other? Yeah, it is going to be great to watch. Now, let me ask you, I did allude to the the Westbrook-Harden trade rumors, and Harden said he wanted to be traded and only to the Nets. If the Nets hold that off, do you think that would actually be successful? Because I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. That 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 would be a very uh, volatile three. Unbelievable talents, but that's how like they're just gonna two of them are gonna have to work at, off the ball at all times minimum. I don't know, you know, offensively, like you're just effectively I mean, they can all shoot so well, so I mean there may be some success, but can they kinda put things aside and be willing to take a smaller piece of the pie as far as what they might be contributing offensively? And then also I know KD's been much better defensively after especially after he went to the Warriors, but unless Harden and Kyrie are gonna be focused and go up a level defensively, that's a pretty nightmarish backcourt defensively. I know Harden got got a lot better the last couple of years, but still that's a little bit concerning on the defensive end. For sure. Yeah, couldn't agree more. What do you think? But, yeah, I think the Nationals, I think they're a big contender. If they got Harden, I think that would just be a chemistry nightmare. Maybe they get rid of Kyrie, <laughs> Kyrie for uh, Harden. I think they're a force to be reckoned with as long as KD can be a resemblance of himself. I mean, that's one of the most difficult injuries to come back from in sports. We'll have to see what he looks like because if he is back to form, the East has got to watch out. For sure. Speaking of of game-changing injuries, somber note here for the Warriors. Clay tore his uh, Achilles and is going to be out for the year. It's really sad. Everyone respects Clay Thompson. I I think everyone likes him. Brutal injury for him. And they, they add James Wiseman in the draft. And and now, the, if this Warriors team is going to be competitive, they're going to really rely on Curry's talent. Do you see the Warriors being able to vie for a playoff spot in a very deep Western Conference? Yeah, I definitely think they'll be a, a playoff team. But in order to be a real contender, I think you're you're alluding to the right idea, and that's that Curry's probably going to have to be back to an MVP level to give them a chance. Or Kelly Oubre and company and Andrew Wiggins need to have, like, career years. Um, those are the only two ways I see that them being legit contenders. And I am really curious to see how Kelly Oubre fits in. What a, a Wiggins, I know it wasn't a normal offseason, but a Wiggins offseason in a, a very established 
dynasty, really, franchise away from, no offense, but away from Minnesota and Carl Anthony Towns. So I wonder if he made some strides this offseason. But I do think they can contend for some playoff spots. I just don't know if they'll be contending for a championship. Yeah, that's fair. I, I kind of feel the same way. But the West is just going to be crazy good again with the Suns. And I, I definitely see that the Warriors will be able to take a step into the playoffs. I guess of the playoff teams I made it last year, we have to say the Rockets aren't going to be there and the Thunder aren't going to be there, right? Most likely, yeah. I, I mean, the Rockets might make it just because Harden might be a regular season superstar again, but they're not going to be a high seed, at least based on their roster talent. For sure. So let's move on to the next team who had a big swing in free agency, adding Gordon Hayward to a very large contract. They also added LaMelo Ball in the draft. When we're talking about the Hornets, kind of weird moves from Charlotte. I don't feel like are ready to win yet. So paying Gordon Hayward that much money doesn't make too much sense to me, especially after all the injuries. But what do you think of the of the Hornets? Do you, do you see them as a serious contender, or do you kind of feel the same way I do, that they're going to be uh, a playoff contender but not someone with championship hopes? I think the Hornets will be lucky to be the worst team in the NBA. No, I'm just kidding. As far as everything goes in Charlotte, um, I think the only way that they're going to be contending for – a legit spot in the playoffs. I think they could sneak in, but the only way I think they contend for a high seed is if uh, MJ suits up and is his old self, because I don't see the current roster being anywhere near enough to compete with um, some of those East teams. I know LaMelo has a potentially really high ceiling. I just think he's going to need some time uh, to adjust to the NBA, and, and I don't know what he's going to look like defensively. Yeah, probably. His defense is probably going to look like a pasta sister. It's holes all over the place. I mean, maybe MJ will have to come back with uh, LeVar Ball coming into the picture and after he said he could beat him in a one-on-one. So maybe he'll suit up and drop 50 on his kid every practice. <laughs> hey, that'd be awesome. Last team before we get into our fun segment, the Lakers. The L.A. Lakers uh, have made some a few changes to their roster, and it feels like they got better. But we we have heard the comments from LeBron with the quick turnaround from the bubble that he's not going to play for at least a month, and so they still have Anthony Davis and. AD will be sure to keep them afloat if LeBron actually goes through with his plan. So do you still see the Lakers as the top dog in terms of NBA championships before the season? I think I do, yeah. Um, As long as, you know, they stay healthy, which they were able to last year for the most part. I do think there's a really high chance they get off to a slow start. There's a lot of new pieces, a lot of mileage that they're coming off of with a really long run. And not much of a turnaround. I also, you know, there could be a little bit of a championship hangover, right? Especially with such a short turnaround. So, would not be surprised at all if they get up to a slow start. And honestly, if they're like a three seed just because of that slow start. But I think they, even if they're going into the playoffs as the three seed, unless we, one of those teams just blows us away in the regular season, I still think they'll be the favorite to come out of the West when it's all said and done because they were very, very impressive last year and their roster certainly got better. Absolutely. I mean, they added, I, I forgot to mention, they added Dennis Schroeder, who will be a great point guard coming off the bench or even a shooting guard replace, replacing Rondo. They added Wesley Matthews, Montrezl Harrell. That'll be awkward. 
uh, when they play the Clippers and Marcus Gasol. The biggest things there is Montrez and Schroeder. I feel like Gasol just didn't look like a serviceable NBA player down the stretch there. But I, I agree. I think the Lakers hold the, the – they are the most likely team to come out of the West. I, I still feel strong about Milwaukee. It's just they've had horrible playoff exits. Anyway, we, we've already touched on Milwaukee. So that's all the teams of interest I had written down. Let's take a quick pause, and we're going to go over our fun activity here. Okay, Liam, Thanksgiving has come and gone. Big day. But we could still enjoy leftover Thanksgiving meals and the food that comes with it. So for our activity today, we're going to compare various Thanksgiving foods. We're going to create a plate of Thanksgiving foods and compare that plate of food to NBA teams. So we're going to start off with staple of any Thanksgiving Day plate, and that is turkey. So when you think of turkey on a Thanksgiving Day plate, what team reminds you most of turkey? So aside from the country that you have heritage from, always going to be present, right? Turkey on Thanksgiving, it is literally turkey day. Just as there is turkey is just the main staple of Thanksgiving, there is no NBA without the San Antonio Spurs. Even this year in their first non-playoff appearance in two decades, they were still relevant. They are a model franchise, and as I mentioned, just as turkey is a staple to a Thanksgiving meal. However, too much of the San Antonio Spurs can be a bit boring and repetitive, just as too much turkey will literally put me to sleep on Thanksgiving. Okay. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Let me just throw out another option I had. I had the Milwaukee Bucks for, like, a modern team. I feel like right now they're, like, a shoe-in to make – they're a shoe-in to make the playoffs and at least win one round in the playoffs. So can I change your mind at all, or are you still – I'm I'm liking the Spurs. I just wanted to give you another option. Yeah, so I think that's a great point, especially because the Spurs, uh, you know, they weren't exactly a staple this past year, and uh, I don't think they're going to be a staple moving forward with the look of that roster. So if you go modern, it, it is a little bit more of a stretch for the Spurs. And, you know, we'll see if Giannis signs that extension then I think there's even more of a case there. I might just off history lean Spurs, but if you want to go future and modern, there's a big case there for Milwaukee. No, I like I like I like going history and Spurs, you know, because Turkey on a Thanksgiving meet plate has history associated with it. There's a lot a lot happening there. Turkey's been put on plates for a long time, so we'll go with the Spurs. Sounds good. Next uh the vital part of the Thanksgiving plate is the mashed potatoes and let me give you one idea for mashed potatoes and that is the Denver Nuggets. Mm. Now for me the Denver Nuggets are akin to mashed potatoes because mashed potatoes are universally loved. I don't think if you ask a thousand people if they like mashed potatoes, I don't think a single one would say they don't. And I feel that way about the Nuggets because they're just universally loved. I don't feel like anyone really hates the Nuggets. They're just a lovable team. They got Jokic and, you know, mashed potatoes are 
soft, kind of like Jokic. Yeah, so so mashed potatoes are universally loved, and I feel the same way about the Nuggets. So do you, do you see that comparison? I do. I might push back slightly and say instead of loved, I'd say like. I think everyone likes mashed potatoes. I think there's not a huge range as far as, you know, when you make mashed potatoes, it's there's pretty much a standard, right? It's not a really high ceiling or a really low floor. It's it's pretty steady, just like the Nuggets have pretty steadily been a likable team. So I would agree on that front. Yes. All right, I'll take your criticism. We'll change it. We'll change. I mean, I'll take your constructive feedback. It's a better way of phrasing that. And we'll uh, we'll say they're the same because they're universally liked. Okay. Next up, a vital piece of the Thanksgiving meal is cranberry sauce. So Liam, when you think of cranberry sauce, who do you who do you compare cranberry sauce to in the NBA? Okay, this is going to be a, a little bit of a, a curveball here. So we both know when cranberry sauce is good, oh man, does it change a Thanksgiving meal? I mean, it is. It can it can make a Thanksgiving meal go from good to delicious, right? It, it changes everything. It's game changing. Just as that is the case, when the New York Knicks are good, they change the buzz in the NBA. However, when they're bad, it ruins everything, at least for them. So for me, canned cranberry sauce is not only a stay away at the Thanksgiving Day dinner table, but it is gross and it shouldn't be present just as this Dolan Run Knicks franchise should not be either. So just as canned cranberry sauce makes me want to just throw up, trying to sit down and watch this train wreck of a New York Knicks franchise makes me want to vomit everywhere. Wow. Vivid imagery. <laughs> I love it. I, 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 you know what? I haven't had canned cranberry sauce. It's either been like homemade or coming out of a jar. I think I can count myself lucky there. Yeah, so it's funny. I wrote this before Thanksgiving, and guess what I had to try on Thanksgiving? <laughs> oh, no. Canned cranberry sauce. Oh, uh, no. It wasn't awful, but here's the thing. Like, I, I don't want to, I, I exaggerate a little bit. Canned cranberry sauce isn't, like, not eatable, and I do kind of get why some people like it, but I think the difference between canned cranberry sauce and really, really good homemade cranberry sauce is my it's night and day. I got you. Okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, the Knicks are, are cranberry sauce. In their heyday, staple franchise. But as soon as Dolan put down some money and started kicking Spike Lee out of the, the garden, it's been... They look like diarrhea. Thing. Yeah, which can happen after eating some bad candy. <laughs> cranberry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> or watching the Knicks. Or one much. It's perfect. I love it. Next up, we have gravy, which is another vital topping for... Uh, your Thanksgiving plate, and Liam, I'm going to throw one out there, and this is low-hanging fruit, but when you think of gravy, you think it it makes you a little more round. It makes you gain a, a few pounds, like a Zion Williamson, for example. When the gravy, it just feels comfortable. It feels good. It, it adds some zest and some power to your Thanksgiving plate, just like Zion adds some power and flair to the basketball world. But it feels like you're gaining a few pounds, which Zion had last year. 
So I'm going to throw out gravy with the New Orleans Pelicans. So I, I like this one a lot for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, yeah, we know gravy uh, can uh, fill you up and uh, add some chunk to you. But also gravy on top of, you know, mashed potatoes, stuffing, and turkey makes it go from a little dry but pretty good to just downright delicious. Just as if the New York, New York, New Orleans Pelicans come in this December and Zion's rocking and rolling, that is the gravy on top of what could be an awesome NBA season. All right, well said. So we have most of our main plate. We ate it. We're feeling good. But then it's time for dessert. And what a perfect way to wrap things up, but adding a slice of pumpkin or apple pie. So when you're thinking of apple pie, pumpkin pie, some kind of dessert that has a crusted pie-like structure to it. What team do you associate with pie? So, as you said, you know, the dessert at Thanksgiving, it is very satisfying. It's sweet. It's delicious. It caps off a very satisfying day. And when the Phoenix Suns are good, man, it is sweet. When the Suns went eight no in the bubble, it was fun to watch. It was the icing on the cake of a very exciting bubble round robin play. So just as, you know, really good pumpkin pie with some nice whipped cream on top is the cherry on top of a very satisfying Thanksgiving Day meal. This Phoenix Suns team and I'm not just talking about this team that's going to be playing together this fall or this December, which should be really competitive, but think about the run-and-gun teams with Steve Nash, all those three-point shooters, and Amari. They've always been, for the most part, uh, pretty entertaining, maybe outside of a couple of years here and there, but the Suns are my pumpkin pie or apple pie. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, during their Edno run, it was so much fun to watch them. It was just so exciting. Devin Booker is a great player to watch, and those those Suns teams with Nash and Amari were great, and we can't forget Charles Barkley as well. Yeah, he's he, he himself a pumpkin pie. <laughs> oh, gosh. But we love him. We love Charles. I got to say, throw us off a little bit. Is that the NBA on TNT is hands down the best halftime show uh, of any sport sporting event? It's so great. It is. It's bigger than any sports post-game halftime show. It's just, it's, it's, it's like a comedy show that deserves its own, like, hour of the week. My best NBA dream would be to have inside the NBA halftime and then after have NBA primetime and Chris Berman show up and just talk over the highlights. That would make everything, that would be incredible. I'd be in Nirvana. Who would be uh, his uh, his analyst expert? That's a great question. <laughs> Maybe Chuck. Get, get Barkley next to him. That'd be incredible. The dynamic duo. All three of them, including Ernie. <laughs> yeah. And Shaq and Kenny. I just want, when, uh, if someone gets crossed up, I just want to hear Berman go, what? All right, that was a massive chance. And, like, when, right. when Kyle Lowry's driving to the lane, he'll go, <laughs> like, when people are running to drive. <laughs> <laughs> We're just printing money with this idea. Okay, so we have the Phoenix Suns as our pumpkin pie going back to our conversation here. So our full plate, we have turkey as the Spurs. We have mashed potatoes as the Nuggets, cranberry sauce as the Knicks, gravy as the New Orleans Pelicans, and finally we have pumpkin or apple pie as the Suns. I think I think we created a pretty nice plate here. Yeah, I'm ready to eat it and watch it. Absolutely. So we're both very excited for the NBA season, and I think that's all we had. Liam, I know we touched on football a bit, but how does it feel? 
to have the Browns with a winning record and in contention for the playoffs. Uh, it is getting me through 2020. That is the truth. It, it is no, it's it's awesome. It's wild. It's it's hard to believe. I'm of course still skeptical, but you know what? They're relevant, and I can actually look forward to watching games. And unlike the Denver Broncos, they have someone that plays quarterback. Yeah, that's gonna be brutal. I if it, in case you didn't miss it today, the Broncos had a COVID scare, and all three of their quarterbacks were close contacts. So who's going to play quarterback? Maybe John Elway will strap up. Maybe that's the only option. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a circus this evening. I mean, the 49ers are basically getting kicked out of Santa Clara, so they're going to have to find somewhere else to play and practice. The Steelers-Ravens game is a mess. Just Matt, the, the, the Ticonderoga is gone. Matt Patricia got yeah. fired. Yeah. What? Lots maybe going on. Maybe he'll uh, waddle his way back up to New England. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he is a rocket scientist. Maybe he'll just go to his second career, join NASA, and they'll say, Coach, we can't blow another 3-1 lead to the aliens. Oh, no, and, then he'll, and, and, and he'll just take his Ticonderoga and shove it up your butt. Exactly. That man, you know what? He needs to be He needs to be like a, a spokesman for the SHEs or like the um, MCAS because he needs to be the spokesman for number two pencil across the world. That's his next career. I think that's a great idea. I think you should get in touch with his agent. Yeah. Get on the phone right now while, the, while you're still uh, still relevant. That's everything we had planned for today. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it as always, and we'll catch you later. Mark.